New Zealand's Pacific population in South Auckland is among the most obese in the world, and the rate is rising. With that comes diabetes, heart and respiratory disease, and often early death. But why are Pacific Islanders more likely to be fatter than the rest of the population? On this Radio New Zealand Insight programme, Pacific Issues correspondent Richard Palmatato investigates. There's a sense of shame, embarrassment, you know, when you're going to weigh yourself. And you know that it's not a 105 kilo sort of mark that's going to come up on the scale. It's going to be double that with ease. I weighed myself today, I was 282 kilos. Yeah, 282 kilos. Frank Stowers is a 44-year-old New Zealand-born Samoan who lives in South Auckland with his wife and three children. Statistics New Zealand figures indicate there are more than 50,000 Pacific men in his area and according to a slew of research, most are obese. But in other ways, Mr Stowers does not fit the common profile. He is a highly paid economic consultant who earns a good living, well above the $35,000 annual average of most Pacific males. And if education and income are critical factors for obesity, then Frank Stowers is less likely to be fat, according to recent research from a postdoctoral research fellow at Auckland University's School of Population Health. Tassileta Te'evali says obesity in the Pacific population is directly related to economic position. The current literature tells us that obesity is a disease of deprivation. Now you could exchange obesity for any other health outcome or condition. So be it cardiovascular disease, be it diabetes, be it cancer, be it asthma, it could be anything. The reasons why they have bad health and all of those health conditions is due to deprivation. So that, on a bigger scale, is what's driving the disparate obesity rates between Pacific people and non-Pacific in New Zealand. Dr Teavali says people make food choices based on socio-economic status and that can determine weight. Your personal choices are only influenced by the things that you have. So, for example, when I interview a Pacific mother in Mangere, for example, who is of low socioeconomic status, and I ask her, why do you buy this type of bread and not this type of bread? She will tell me that she buys the white bread because it's 89 cents a loaf, but she knows that she should buy the vocal bread, which is $4.50, but simply does not have enough money to buy that type of bread, which she already knows is the healthier choice for her and her family. But if she only has so much money to feed so many people, Naturally, she'll only be able to choose the cheaper bread brand. So that is her choice of being forced by her socioeconomic class. Dr Teavali says Pacific Island parents working split shifts will often give their children money for breakfast and lunch, and they buy cheap food. A professor of public health at the Auckland University of Technology, Grant Schofield, agrees. The first driver in my mind is where they sit on the socio-economic gradient. And in New Zealand we don't have a flat gradient, we have one that's quite unequal. We've got a well-off middle and above class and we're quickly becoming the tail of two countries where there's another whole half of the country, that bottom bit. Dr Schofield says research shows all New Zealanders are getting fatter, but Pacific Islanders are ahead by miles, even when compared with poorer Europeans. 
So why is the Pacific population in South Auckland, dominated by people of Samoan, Tongan and Cook Islands ethnicity, gaining weight faster? Josephine Samuelu, who is a Pacific health consultant, says the difference between life in New Zealand and the islands is to blame. It is a change of lifestyle for our people, you know, because coming from the islands, we've lived off the land. We live, you know, the land is our source of, um, you know, everything that we do in our way of life. And so that whole natural lifestyle isn't as prominent as it used to be because, you know, the introduction of processed foods and just people's lifestyles, you know, to have more convenient food, whereas living off the land does take a lot more time to plant, to harvest, to, you know, and prepare food and cook food. While lots of people are consuming greater quantities of fast food, Ms Samuelu says in her experience, Pacific Islanders eat more of it. At the same time, as there's more food available than ever before, the concept of a food desert has emerged. The co-director of the Pacific Island Family Study at Auckland University of Technology, Gerhard Sonburn, says Pacific Islanders in Manukau City live in such a food desert. A food desert is basically a place where affordable, nutritious food is difficult to find. And if you go to um, some of the areas where a lot of our Pacific communities reside, on the whole, the choices available tend to be unhealthier choices when it comes to like fast food outlets, the density and the type of food options available are more likely to be unhealthy options. What will you find in a food desert then? A high density of takeaway outlets and low number of kind of healthy food options and maybe the, the distance to get to the places generally longer and more difficult to get to. The Pacific Island Family Study is longitudinal research involving 1,400 Pacific children born in 2000 at Auckland's Middlemore Hospital and their families. Dr Sunborn says the study shows Pacific children are far fatter than their non-Pacific peers. He says the research suggests the children are exercising more than their European counterparts, but they, like their mothers, are fatter than the statistical norm although the reasons for this are still being investigated. Ethnicity and cultural factors play a part, but to what extent still isn't well understood. Health researcher Tassileta Te'evali disputes the idea that Pacific Islanders, Polynesians in particular, are fatter because of a so-called thrifty gene. It's a hypothesis which is saying that the reason for why Pacific people are so big is because they have a gene that requires them to have a different metabolic structure in the way that they use the energy from food, that they tend to store it rather than expend the energy that they intake. So that's what the thrifty gene hypothesis is all about, but it's a hypothesis. And it's not necessarily related to bigness in terms of fatness, but just in terms of their whole stature and their whole body type is bigger. So I think sometimes when we debate the thrifty gene, we might be talking about two different things. Are we talking about body size in terms of stature and robustness and musculature, or are we talking about bigness in terms of adiposity, which is fatness? Tassileta Te'evali believes the issue is linked to the food choice available in what's described as an obesogenic environment. Dr Te'evali describes South Auckland's poor suburbs as obesogenic because they have poor public transport, 
busy main roads, are close to industrial parks and have limited public space. Food outlets also have a high percentage of fatty foods on display, like in this cafe. Obesogenic environment is exactly what I've kind of shown you here. Like if you go to, for example, your local dairy or your petrol stations are really good places to go to to see this, you would see the first thing that smacks you in the face when you go into a petrol station is wall to wall on each side of food. And what type of food are they trying to sell you? They're usually energy-dense, low-calorie, cheap chocolate, lollies type food. And sometimes in those petrol stations they try to get you to buy more than one. Like if you were, there's a special, you buy one chocolate bar, why don't you buy two? Because it's cheaper to buy it in that manner. So when they offer you that type of food, that's what the environment is saturated with a particular type of food. It's energy dense and it's cheap and it's so easily accessible. You go to any food outlet and it would be available to you. Dr Teavali says environment influences how people live and is a major contributor to the population's obesity rates. Professor Grant Schofield from Auckland University of Technology says lower quality food tends to be sold in poorer areas. Around Auckland it varies enormously. You'd be flat out finding the canned corned beef in the Takapuna food town. When you walk in, you're immediately presented with a whole array of really well presented fresh fruit and vegetables. There's healthy food in your face. I was in a, I can't remember the one in Otahu the other day, it's, it's not, not one of the major ones, but actually there was no healthy food that I can immediately see. Uh, it was all you can goods, there was, corned beef was the thing on display. Dr Schofield says given what's available in the supermarkets, it's no wonder people are fat. But in South Auckland, supermarkets aren't the only place to buy food. The Mungary Market runs every Saturday behind the suburb shopping centre. There are stalls offering fresh fruit and vegetables, as well as those selling high-fat donuts, chips and coffee. It bustles from 6am till 2 in the afternoon, and many of the shoppers are Pacific Islanders. Sione and Salote Viliami are there every week, selling big bunches of taro leaves for $5. They are very popular, especially uh, quality of taro leaves. And how do most people use them in there? What do they cook with them? With all, uh, any kind of meat. Any? Uh, any meat can go um, there with the onion and coconut cream to uh, smell beef. nice. and uh, Corn beef. Corn beef. And, uh, yeah. Fish. Everything mm. they put in the tower. Mr and Mrs Viliami are in their 70s and say if more people ate traditional food like them, they would also be lean. Next to them is a fruit stall run by Wendy Keats. Got your citrus fruit, so your mandarins, um, tangelos, orange, banana, apples. Ms. Keats, who works in quality assurance, believes there are other factors affecting people's weight than just what food is available. I think it's because we don't know how to even smaller portions, and there's no sort of um, exercise. It's all sitting down. There's no sort of you know you're eating, 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 but we're not doing any activity. As well as fruit and veg, there is also a fish shop in the centre where the fresh fish is under $12 a kilo. The butcher's display, in contrast, is laden with cheap and fatty cuts of meat. Manu Selimi is a regular at the market. Prices are pretty reasonable. Just look around and see what's on special. What are you buying today? Oh, just some veggies, some fruit for the kids' lunches. 
The market offers a chance to buy fresh food at relatively cheap prices, but Tassileta Te'evali from Auckland University says more people shop at supermarkets than the region's markets. Dr Te'evali says despite the range of healthy food available at them, the evidence shows people buy the opposite, especially young people who tend to select high-calorie food with little nutritional value. The daily food that has been consumed by our Pacific adolescents are cheap, energy-dense, easily accessible junk food. So, for example, a pie and a fizzy drink is what a young Pacific person would normally eat, not just for lunch but for breakfast. And the reason for why they choose these items is related to the cost of the food. It's only a dollar for a pie and a dollar for a Coke. And if it's available right there in the school canteen, compared to a filled roll, which is $3 or $4, the young adolescent will always choose the cheaper food, and that's unfortunately pies and fizzy drinks. Dr Teovali says the food environment in South Auckland is a sharp contrast to home islands. What is available in the islands and what is available in New Zealand are two totally different food environments. I mean, there is no McDonald's or Kentucky Fried Chicken or Pizza Hut or all of the other takeaway outlets available in the islands compared to what's available here, particularly in the South Auckland, New Zealand area. So the food environments are quite different. Um, and that's why we have different obesity rates. For example, our research has shown adolescents in Tonga have lower obesity rates than Tongan adolescents here in the South Auckland region. Research may show that the available food choices and the comparative cost of different foods is important, but those factors don't explain why someone like Frank Stowers, who's well off, is obese. Weighing in at 282 kilograms, Mr Stowers says his family really has home-cooked meals, despite having a house with a designer kitchen. We have fast foods, and this is quite disgusting, but four, four times in the week, easy. And it's anything from either Chinese, fish and chips, pizza, KFC, but it's convenient. It's convenient. Yet the amount of money that I spend on fast food, that's... that's Maybe two weeks shopping for a family on low income, living in Aotearoa Māngere. I mean, it's embarrassing. Mr Stowers says another reason for his size is his liking for fizzy drinks. I have a cup my father was given when he went to this beer feast years ago, and it's, and it's exactly one litre. So I, I can drink three of those a night, just sitting here, doing my work, sipping. I easily can drink, I don't know, Five to ten litres a day of fizzies. Mr Stowers says when he's working hard on a project, the mix of sugar and caffeine in the fizzy drinks keeps him going and the taste is better than water. Health experts are busy researching whether certain ingredients are addictive and the role mental health plays in how and what people eat. You found respect for a lot of you fellas this morning. Um, that's a tough workout. Frank Stowers recently joined a community health program for obese men and women called Big Boys and Girls. Most of the men weigh more than 160 kilograms, with the women not far behind. And, um, and then they eventually did give out right on the very last, uh, the very last um, exercise. But she, she, was, um, she was good. She was good watching you big fellas get up and down. Those push-ups were pretty mean.
Buck Stowers, a cousin to Frank, is the founder and says the Pacific community is full of fat people. His reasons for the group are personal. My mum died of heart disease. She died when I was 21 years old. She was stolen from us. It is a massive rip-off. We, we, we are big people and we're showing all our children how to die young. And if I'm overly passionate, it's because I've been a victim of all the sickness and disease myself. Through my, through my parents, my dad died of cancer, my mum had diabetes, heart disease. She had two heart operations, died on the, on the, on the table. She never came out of hospital. You know? And I started this program because I said to these guys, by hook or by crook, I will not let anyone else die if I have my way. Buck Stowers says obese people often find themselves in a downward spiral of self-loathing and even if healthy food is available, they can't or won't eat it. He says their weight gain can be affected by the Pacific cultural expectation that food is served at almost every gathering. We live around the table, so everything, if we cut it all, if, if we have a funnel, if we do everything, it's about food on the table and sharing. Many Samoan families also eat together on Sunday after church at an event called a tu'una'i. But Tasileta Te'evali says what is consumed is changing with a dramatic effect. Tu'una'i is the one food occasion that we have usually from a Samoan perspective after a church where families come together and we share our meals. And those meals in the islands were usually cooked by families and in New Zealand some families cook them and then some families buy the takeaways and what we find is that those families that still cook traditional food and eat them as a group tend to be healthy whereas those families who tend to buy the takeaway food and use that as tōna'i tend to be increasing their weight. Buck Stowers says with all the food being consumed in the community, he's worked hard to make his exercise and advice group work for team members and there's no shortage of people wanting to join up. If you feel comfortable within an environment, you will be there. If you are not un uh, uh, comfortable with that environment, you will not be there. It's that simple. So what we do is we make the environment comfortable for them. With our big people, when they walk in, they're surrounded by big people and they will not let each other down. You know, our bodybuilders will come in and they will be around bodybuilders. It's, it's all about the environment. If you can create an environment where they feel safe, that's where they'll be. Coughing from exertion, 36-year-old Dave Mokoroa has come along to the program for the first time. His fitness level is so low that while others were jogging on the spot, all he could do was take tiny steps from side to side. My very first beginning was I was a little bit, didn't want to join. But now that I see these boys, how, how, how far they've gotten, it's really good. So what's your doctor said to you? My doctor, um, my blood pressure is at the moment was going up and down. Um, they've given me tablets, so my blood pressure was 200 120 so that's very high but um, at the moment because of the tablets it's uh, 120 over 70 which is normal and so how much if you don't mind me asking do you weigh and what are you going to aim for well uh, at the moment I just weighed myself at, over there it was 205 I'm 205 kgs um, I'd like to get to a 90 
but a long, slow process. Long, slow process, yeah. So, you're going to change your eating, or what are you going to do, do you think? Well, or? it's it's a matter of coming back and finding out what how this um, process goes through, so I'm really new at this. Dave Mokoroa says his weight, which makes it difficult to get in and out of his car, is a result of his lifestyle and his job. Most of my work is at a desk, and um, there's not really much walking around. What do you do for work? Um, call centre. Uh, look after the fire service. So often a lot of stress though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So have you always been big though? or Always been big. Even when you were a kid? Yeah. Like yeah. a lot of these boys, I think. Yeah, well, my father's a diabetic, and my father just said, well, he doesn't want me to be a diabetic, so... Yeah. And what about the rest of your family? Is everyone big in your family or...? No, it's just me. Just me. I'm, I'm the biggest. <laughs> Grant Schofield from Auckland University of Technology's School of Public Health says the work environment can have a significant impact. If you look at some of the lower control jobs where you end up sitting on your butt, they tend to be things like um, bus driving, taxi driving, call centre operation. And I'd actually done some work with a, one of the major banks' call centres and for a new employee, which was, you know, it's typically a low-control, low-paid job, so you get a, at that end of the spectrum, you get quite a lot more Murray and Pacific people in those roles. The average weight gain was 6 kilos in the first six months of employment, 10 kilos after a year, and from what I know, talking to one of the bus companies, that seems to be about the same there, and it's similar to some overseas research. Yeah, I, I'd put it to you that if that, that health effect was coming through the air conditioning at a building... You know, we'd close the building down and have health and safety inspectors crawling all over it going, don't work here, it's dangerous for your health. Professor Schofield says the built environment, that is the layout of an area where someone lives, also has an influence. The suburbs in Auckland that had, they, they were invented before cars were invented. So you think about your North Shore ones like your Devonports, your Takapuna, Milford, Browns Bay, your inner city ones like uh, Ponsonby, Hearn Bay, these sorts of places they tend to have a few characteristics. So they tend to be quite high density, so lots of people live there. Um, we generally think that's a good thing. They have mixed land use, so there's places to work, there's shopping, local food supplies, um, and people living there. And they tend to be in a grid-type pattern. Now, that was just accidental. It just seemed to be the easiest way to build things, not lack of imagination. But it turns out that's a good thing because it's the opposite from the cul-de-sac type situation. You head out to South Auckland and you get the opposite. You get a low-density type situation, you get single land use. You get things concentrated for shopping and working in particular areas like, you know, your Manukau city centre and these things. And not that many people live there. And you have these enormous car parks so people can drive there. So you've got no local destinations. There's no where to walk to. Another member of Big Boys is Sam Fuimaono, who's in his early 50s. He's lost more than 60 kilograms and is now able to run for 15 minutes. I actually started uh, last year in the program where uh, I put on so much weight. And I think the other thing was also when uh, one of my classmates actually, I went to his funeral uh, at medical school. And the interesting thing was his wife, who's also a doctor, also said, uh, so many of you professionals, health professionals and other people in business, you spend so much time looking after other people, you forget about yourself. Right. And we all said, you know, that's true. And the sad thing is that uh, you're, you know, the people that you look after, particularly like your husband, uh, he saved so many people, got so many programs at medical school, 
things like that. So you're it's a GP out here? or? Yes, I am, out at Manarewa. And I was saying to myself, how can I help people if I'm not here? Dr Fui Maono says he's concerned about the Pacific youth who are getting fatter. Our Pacific Island kids in particular, you're looking at them in the various high schools in this area, and they're big kids. And I'm thinking, okay, 16 years old, you're pushing 110, 115, what are you going to be like when you're 35 or 40? You know, you're going to be over 200? It's not good. We'll just keep filling those poor statistics, those unhealthy statistics. And those extra-sized coffins. Oh, extra-sized coffins and, you know, basically, we're all going to funerals, basically. Think, oh, so sad, but we can make a difference. Dr Fui Maono would like the food industry to take more responsibility for the products it sells. However, there are signs that some fast food chains are beginning to change what they offer. McDonald's New Zealand, for instance, recently said it has reduced the amount of sugar in its buns and the saturated fat content of its cooking oils. Whether the government should intervene to influence market dynamics is the subject of debate. Many health professionals argue strongly for proactive interventions, while other people say individual responsibility should be the driving force. Within the Pacific Island community, what the church has to say on the matter is important. Pacific Health Consultant Josephine Samuelu says her church pushes health as a matter of personal responsibility. I am Seventh-day Adventist, so the health message is quite strong within our um, religion and our beliefs. Um, so, you know, the whole, you know, healthy body, mind and spirit to be able to fulfil your purpose in life and to be, um, you know, prosperous in everything you do is important for me. The churches do take an active role in trying to fight the flab and they are involved in a number of initiatives around South Auckland. However, whether these work is still to be seen. Manurewa GP Sam Fuimaono, out on his regular run, says he'd like to see the Pacific community take more responsibility and work together to address the problem. And he thinks it must reconsider the use of large amounts of food in cultural ceremonies. We're still in that mindset, basically, that you know, all that food is supposed to be good for you and healthy. We need to start making some changes. Because if we don't, as a population, we'll just basically just exist for a few years and then we'll be gone. What is clear is without any change in the rate of obesity, the condition of people like Frank Stowers will become more commonplace, placing a greater burden on a community already struggling on many levels. I've missed out on so many birthday celebrations, weddings, 21sts, because I know the venue and I know they don't have chairs big enough for me to sit on. Well, chairs are going to break. So I just don't go and I send my children and my wife. That was Frank Stowers ending that Radio New Zealand Insight programme, which was written and presented by Richard Palmatato. Technical production was by Steve Burridge, and it was produced by Sue Ingram.